Well, hey, Joe, welcome to This is 50. Um, super happy to have you on the podcast. Before we dive deep into kind of your background and your whole entire story of, of your entrepreneurial journey, I just want to highlight about four quick questions, if you don't mind, and we can just, uh, and then we'll kind of move into the podcast right after that. So uh, my first question for you is just, as an entrepreneur, what has been sort of the best part of your entrepreneurial journey? I think the best part has been the freedom and the flexibility um, to be present for my family's needs and to not feel just the guilt of having to take off work to go do this and do this and do that and meet all the, the needs of my home. I actually have the, the space to pause and do what's needed and come back at a more flexible time frame to whatever I need to do with my business. So, I, yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's so funny because I think everybody I ask that question to has a very similar response. And I think that's really what entrepreneur entrepreneurism does for you. You know, it's it's, it's actually quite amazing. I love that. OK, so the next question, uh, what advice do you have for hesitant women in midlife that are that may or may not be you know, that may be considering entrepreneurship? Jill, hold on. I'm just going to ask, ask that question one more time. Okay, so the second question is, what advice do you have for hesitant women in midlife considering entrepreneurship? Oh, loads and loads and loads of grace and self-compassion for yourself. Like we have to, I think we have to be brave and bold to even just make the step forward, but we have to be willing to make messy steps of imperfect action over and over again and be really gracious and kind to ourselves. And allow ourselves permission to learn as we go, to not have it all figured out. Yeah, I, that is such a great answer. I love that answer. And I, I often wonder, like I catch myself sometimes not giving me that myself that grace. Mm -hmm. So do you think you give yourself grace all the time? Heck no. Do yeah. we all ever? I mean, no. I feel like we do here and there, and then we lose our way and then we have to come back on the path. It's like a, we have to continue to redirect ourselves and be a really strong self-leader. Like we get to lead ourselves back to that place repeatedly. And that's what the journey is. Otherwise yeah, we know, give up. Great. We give up. Yeah. And it, it, and it's easy to give up. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like it's, like you said, just finding your way back, knowing that the path is not going to be this linear line. Right. That it's going to be messy and that, yeah, just, and, and taking those days, like I know even last week, I took a day. I just, I just took a day. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything today, but chilling out. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about my business. I'm just going to take a chill day. And, and I think that what we end up getting caught up in is this sense of we have to be working all the time. And, I know I am. I'm either thinking about what my next content is going to look like, sound like. Uh, I'm thinking about my next cohort I'm about to launch. Like I'm just, I'm constantly thinking and we just don't give ourselves that mental break. And so then it just becomes just too much sometimes. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Those are good answers. Okay. Third question. What inspired you to start your business later in life? So currently I actually run two businesses and both businesses burst from a place of pain. Um, and I feel like 
when we go through really difficult things, sometimes we also, so we, we contract, but then we also expand in those experiences. And I think that in my contraction of both really like painful experiences that I was having it when these businesses were birthed, that they, that really like this expansion, this beautiful expansion happened. And I had this openness and this surrendering um, to what was and what is and allowed space for some of these businesses to really be born. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And you know, that is such an interesting response. As I have been recording, I think I'm on my 38th episode now of my podcast. And for all of the women that I have interviewed, every single one of them has started a business because it was either a a problem that they were solving for themselves, this pain that you're talking about, an event that's happened in their lives that has prompted them to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I overcame this. And so now I'm going to help others overcome it. So Mm. it's great. And I can't wait to get into your story because it's a goodie. So the final question for you, and then we'll get into that deeper story is how has entrepreneurship Later in life, I guess, for you, I mean, I know you're not quite 50 yet. Uh, you're, I guess, maybe quite a few years away from being 50. You're in your early 40s. Um, but how is it? how has uh, entrepreneurship later in life impacted your overall well-being? You know, honestly, it pushes me and causes me to expand more than anything ever has in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like when we are entrepreneurs, we are, we're in this beautiful position. It's a beautiful position to have to wrestle with all of the insecurities that we have to actually birth and launch something new within us. Um, and I call it beautiful because gosh, it's messy, but it's so enriching and it's so fulfilling. And it, I think that it has caused me to become a better version of myself. Um, And it's caused me to allow myself to recognize the need for greater levels of compassion and grace and self-kindness and really learning how to turn towards myself and support myself well, because nobody else is here to do it. Like I don't have a boss above me to feed the validation and the affirmation and to encourage and to show me and guide me the way it's, it's me, like the self-leadership that has evolved from this space is beautiful. I love, love, love that. So it's been just a real growth for you. I mean, you, mm-hmm. your story, as we'll get into it, has been very much about growing um, from within. But then even the whole growth mindset is kind of essentially what you just said there. It's how mm-hmm. it's really pushed you to have a growth mindset and to accept things. And, you know, and back to like your whole comments around grace and having grace for yourself. I think we grow as women um, when we are in this entrepreneur, entrepreneur space, but also we met because of a community that brought us together. And it's that community that also gives us strength. So 
Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, for answering those questions. Okay, so let's jump into the actual podcast itself. Welcome, Jill, to uh, This is 50, Freedom Through Passions. You and I had met, um, what, maybe six months ago, I think? You joined uh, the Early Bird uh, community. Um, We are a group of between eight and ten women that get together, and we've gotten together over the past couple of years. Uh, You were brought in through one of our members, and... Uh, we share every week on Tuesdays, we get together um, and we just talk a little bit about our, launching our businesses and what it means for us and some of our challenges and we help each other work through our challenges and we share some really useful tools and uh, other things that uh, we're all doing because we're all doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I want you to just spend uh, a few minutes just giving your backstory, tell us who Jill is and then we'll kind of get into a deeper story. We'll talk a little bit about how you launched your business and then your business itself. Okay, sure. So yeah, I am Jill Helm and I have two businesses. So my first business is a photography business and that started 14 years ago. It started very organically. Um, I started posting on Facebook photos of my daughter after I took a, a camera class and it just, it just birthed and it birthed in a season where I needed fresh air. So for me, that business, I named it Rain Dancer Studios based on the quote, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And my mantra and my life like mission at that point became all about really trying to not just survive, but to thrive, to not allow the circumstances around me to take me down. It was a daily battle for me. And photography for me opened up just this door of fresh air. And it was just a beautiful, like creative outlet for me. So I've been doing that for a really long time until um, just in the last couple of years, I've started a coaching business. And this is a a coaching business for women. It's emotional health coaching. And I focus a lot on somatic trauma recovery and helping women really learn to regulate their nervous systems. And, you know, this was birthed out of a season of my own um, pain in my own space of, of healing and learning that after 20 years, like two decades worth of going to traditional talk therapy, that my nervous system still collapsed again. So my, my first nervous system sort of collapsed, like in the, when my first business was starting and that was kind of like my first dark soul of the moment, you know, night type of experience. And then it happened again a, a few years ago in 2020. And when that mm-hmm. happened, it propelled me to find different ways to heal, different ways to help myself find balance in the world that felt chaotic. And so that business is really all about dancing in the mess. Like that's my theme for that. Like I've taken the whole theme of dancing in the rain and and all of that and just kind of evolved it into my my coaching business of like we take one messy step after another and we just continue to heal and to learn how to regulate and to to learn how to show up for ourselves in new ways and to really be our own best friend and our best cheerleader and our and our strongest you know guide for our own self learning how to do that um, and so i i lean a lot more towards that right now. My passion is very much there. 
Um, I'm still doing photography because it's funding my new business, to be honest. I still like it. And I think to some extent, I might always do little bits and pieces of it. But my true passion and desire is is really helping women change their life. I love that. So let's back up a little bit. So when you started your photography business, did you already know how to do photography or did you have to learn that as a skill? So I literally had just taken a camera class and that was it. Okay. And I posted photos and I felt like a, like a door had opened for me because people started asking me to do photos for them. And I'm like, okay, this is fun. I like this. And I've always been a creative person. I've always liked painting and DIY stuff. And, um, and I was like, okay, this is good. I'm going to just try this. I'm going to see. And I just became an avid learner. I just took class after class after class after workshop and just mm-hmm. was like, I don't know how to do anything business related. Cause I had been a school teacher before that. So right. I've had multiple careers already at age 43. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of learn, do move on if it's not working for you. Okay, so what ended up happening is you took a camera class, you took some photos of your family, uh, you posted them online, mm-hmm. and people started to reach out to you. Yeah. Now, the interesting part about that, and I want to unpack that a little bit more, because what I think what happens when, so you sort of got into entrepreneurship a little bit by accident, yes. if you will, just by sharing something. I call it a gift. About, I call it a gift. Yeah. Like, it was an accident, but it was really a gift. Like it was something that I wasn't seeking after that I that I actually like needed. Exactly. So you post this stuff online and but what what I think what ends up happening is when we we try to be something that's so intentional like an entrepreneur and starting a business, we do get in get in our own way. And what I see a lot of women do who are trying to start this business is they they sort of default to all the fundamental things first. Okay, I need to get a website up and running. I need to get that, which means I need to write a bunch of copy. I need to, to get some photos. I need to figure out exactly what's going to go on my website. How many tabs am I going to have? And like literally building a website could almost stall them for I'm going to guess anywhere between a month to six months. And I see it. I'm in several mastermind groups right now where I see women who are doing that. And they're just there. It's almost like it's a, I don't know, like a little protector. They don't really want to launch their business yet. So they'll find all these other things and we'll get busy with all the, the sort of the technical things and the foundational things. Whereas you put it online People start reaching out, and the next thing you know, you've got this gift, as you say, that is turns you into a photographer, and you're starting to do photography. You'd have no web page. You have a Facebook page that's showcasing some of your work, yet you're out there, and you already have your clients, or you know, you got your first or second or third client just by posting the things that you're passionate about, and I think that is a, such a good lesson to learn that Sometimes we think we need to have the business case, the business plan, the, you know, all these things in place before we get started. But the idea is get started and see if it's actually a viable business. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. So, okay. So then you're, you're, you're doing the photography and then you start to, so take us into the, the second half of your, your second business. Uh, where you're doing somatic, maybe we can talk a little bit even about what somatic therapy is, the difference between sort of cognitive therapies, like the talk therapies, 
Um, so yeah, let's maybe start there. Yeah. So, you know, then I found myself in a position where something traumatic had happened in my life that caused me to really shut down and break down and depression and anxiety became like my best friend. I was jumping back and forth between fight, flight, or freeze all of the time. And I was barely functioning. I was doing just the bare minimum, um, but I was dying inside and I didn't want to feel that way. Like I, I literally got to the place where I was like, I don't want to live. Like, I don't like this life. This is not for me. And I wasn't necessarily suicidal, but I definitely felt like very hopeless and defeated to where I would make that statement of like, I just don't even want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And so then I started discovering, you know, new ways of healing for my own self. And what I discovered is that, you know, we need the cognitive based talk therapy, the, the ways of helping the brain to reframe things. However, my body, I had endured so much trauma since I was a child that my body carried so much and it was not being tended to. So even mm -hmm. if I was cognitively processing through the anxiety and the, what I call the alarm that I was feeling, my body still felt alarmed. My body was still mm -hmm. holding it. And so somatic is just comes from the Greek word soma, which means body. And so somatic mm -hmm. healing is all about going to the body first and really recognizing what sensations are present. How do we even know that, that we are feeling anxious or feeling depressed? Well, it's not just a cognitive experience. Like 80% of all information is coming from the body to the brain. Only 20% goes from the brain to the body. So the brain mm -hmm. is always interpreting whatever the body is holding and experiencing in life. And so the nervous system at large is, you know, when it's overwhelmed, the body like remembers that. And so then when it feels a, like a sense of threat or danger, it is having the alarm. It's like the smoke detector that's going off in the house when the house is starting to be on fire. And it's like my body was still on fire. So I mm -hmm. cognitively talk myself to a place of being okay. And then something would happen and my body would remember and it would trigger this alarm inside of me. And it's like, I'm trying so hard to get my brain to like not be anxious right now, but my body still felt it. So there was a disconnect and that's what trauma does. There's a disconnect between the mind and the body. And so for me, um, moving forward, when I started learning that information for myself, I'm like, this is what the world needs more of. This is what women need more of because we feel so much shame and guilt for being where we're at, for feeling depressed, for feeling anxious, for feeling anything at all. Like mm -hmm. the world is has not always been um, a place of, high emotional intelligence. Like if we look at generations in the past, everything was about stuffing, repressing, denying, ignoring. Absolutely. And we grew up in that exact environment, yeah. right? We weren't taught how to deal with our emotions. We were taught, don't cry. Yeah. You know, don't cry. Don't cry. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Rather than sitting with our feelings and 
learning. So, you know, Jill, talk a little bit. So that's somatic. So somatic is like your body, what's happening in your body mm-hmm. and this sort of mind body connection yes. as what you're, you're talking about. There's probably a lack of your, your, your mind and your body are two, you know, kind of work separately. 80% of it, as you said, is coming from the body. Now, when I think, when I first heard about trauma and in your body and all that, um, you know, a few years ago, the first thing that I went to is like, well, I have no trauma. I haven't been in a serious car accident. I haven't been in, you know, I haven't like seen anybody get killed or like when you think of trauma, sometimes you think of this, it has to be this super big event. Mm -hmm. But in fact, getting to know you, getting to know your business and understanding a little bit more about what you do, I've learned that trauma is not just the big event. It can be any kind of event. So talk to us a little bit about trauma in itself. Yeah, you know, and it's not even about the event. It can be about how like the imprint of a situation or an emotional experience that is left on the body Um, mm-hmm. and, and that your body remembers and it holds because it was something that you maybe didn't have the resources or the skills or the support to actually move through it with ease in a way that lets the brain process it through and the body to process it through and experience it in such a way that it didn't feel overwhelming. You and I could go through the exact same experience and it'd be traumatic for me, but not for you. And Mm -hmm. it, it all has to do with the resources that we have within us to be able to withstand the difficulty that we're experiencing. So trauma can be anything you know, a lot of people think about abuse as trauma, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't, right. but we, we really avoid and dismiss neglect and how, uh, how much that is traumatic and neglect, even on small levels, ne- like neglect of, you know, when somebody shares their emotions and it's pushed down and told that they, you know, they're either, somebody's either too busy for you to hear it or is not capable of engaging with it in helping you to feel affirmed that it makes sense as to why you're feeling Mm -hmm. how you feel to even have somebody beside you to let you know that it makes sense to feel and Mm -hmm. that it's human. Part of my work that I do in the world is all about wanting to humanize having emotions. We have a thousand bajillion emotions that we experience in a day and they're human. Like we are not meant to actually stay in this place of calm, happy all the time. Our nervous system is actually very flexible and it's meant to go in and out of experiences constantly. So when something is traumatic to the nervous system, it gets stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. And so if, if we don't have the resources and the skills to be able to move through the fight, flight, or freeze and let it kind of go up and down and let those emotions come and in, in, in like ride it like a wave, then we get stuck in it and our body holds it and it doesn't know what to do with it. And that, that fight, fight, or freeze and understanding at what point, like if, if you've had something like something is happening and you're feeling the sort of fight, fight, flight or freeze uh, steps, yeah. then how do you, I guess it's, it's, that's where it becomes super intentional. It's, it's really about 
taking on some of the practices of somatic to calm yourself to, I mean, hopefully it's you, you've been doing lots of work along the way, meditation and things like that, but it's being able to recognize this, that state and then automatically triggering yourself the things that you need to do to sort of calm you or to release that, that impact of trauma. So let's, that's all the theoretical side of it. So now let's let's move into like your story, Jill. You have a great story. Um, it's wild, actually. So I want you to to first talk a bit a bit because you didn't just go, oh, I'm just going to get into somatic therapy and I'm going to start teaching women. I mean, you you solve the problem for yourself first. So let's take let's take a step back. Let's talk a little bit about your story and how you ended up getting to a place of of like this cognitive therapy is not working for me anymore. And so I'm taking my health into my own hands and I'm going to start doing some research to find out what else is out there. Cause there has to be more out there. You just had that feeling, you had that intuitiveness. So yeah, let's hear your story. Yeah. So really it came at a time where, like I said, I was at that breaking point again. And I was like, this is the second time I had gotten to that breaking point of feeling like, life is too much. And I don't want any, I, I just don't, I can't do it. I don't want to, I don't know how to. Um, it all felt like too much and felt like my world was great, like crashing in. Um, and part of that has to do with just, you know, what was situationally was happening at that time was just blended family struggles. And um, I had been divorced before and got, you know, remarried and you know, was really struggling with one of my bonus daughters, not really receiving me and my daughter. And what happened was it actually triggered a lot of my childhood trauma Mm -hmm. of rejection and abandonment that I had experienced. Um, And then also just some of the high level, loud interactions that would take place um, in our home towards me towards my husband, um, triggered some of the ways of some of the things that I dealt with as a child growing up in my home. So I kind of felt on multiple layers, um, my nervous system had a remembering of all of the stuff that had happened as a child. All of these things that made me feel really icky inside really just came crashing out. And so, um, yeah, I started learning how to do all of these things like somatically to engage to, you know, I used EFT tapping was one of the first somatic type of things that I learned um, to really help guide my nervous system back to a state of ease. The thing I like about EFT tapping is that it actually combines the cognitive and the somatic body processing. So it's helping from both, both ends. It's kind of like a power punch experience. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I got to a place where what was, what I was doing was not working. And so I, I opened myself up to like, I'm going to learn new things. I'm going to try new things. And I hired a trauma recovery coach myself at that point. And she was my guide that opened the door. And then I even moved beyond what she offered me and started learning from other practitioners, um, because she, you know, she was really, really gifted and talented in a lot of the cognitive reprocessing and the brain retraining. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that my body, I've always been a sensitive person, like extreme. Mm -hmm. I've, 
I've been told most of my life that I, you know, was like too sensitive or that I, I, you know, was, I've always felt like I was too much, like what I, how I experienced the world felt like too much. So somatics helped me because it allowed me to actually stop and pause and say, what is going on inside of my body? What is this that's being held here? How can I guide my body back to safety to feel, how can I feel safe and connected with myself right here and right now so that no matter what is going on around me, I am centered and I am at peace within myself. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. So you, you, the fact that you just intuitively knew that your body or that you needed more than just that cognitive therapy is such an amazing thing. And, and I want to really kind of hone in on that a little bit because um, not that this is a, a science show or anything like that, <laughs> but I mean, sometimes we can get so where we, I mean, I think for me, cognitive therapy is amazing. Like you said, they give you theories so that you can work, make sense of some of the things that are happening. but for all the people that I've met that have gone through the traditional therapies and not taken other steps on their journey to, you know, create more of a system of healing, I've noticed that they kind of get stuck in the theory. And sometimes the theory is applied practically, but they just don't seem to like advance to that next sort of level. So when I think about myself, for example, I've spent the last 10 years, I got introduced, in fact, to uh, meditation and mindfulness and, and learning um, those techniques to kind of calm situations down, have a better mindset and growth mindset from a girl that I'm actually staying at her place right now. I'm looking after her daughter and her dog, um, but she's been in my life. She She walked into my life. I don't know how she knew or, or what, but it was like, Lynette, you need to start, you know, a mindfulness meditation practice. And to be honest, I didn't even know what mindfulness even meant. I mean, that was 10, 12 years ago. And it was just so I went down this path of, of learning what meditation was and mindfulness and like, and just kind of, I read, I've read every single book. And then I started to talk to some of my friends and some of them had already been doing some of those practices and they had never, you just don't, sometimes we just don't talk about stuff mm -hmm. with our friends and family, you know? And so you're like, well, why didn't I ever know this? You know, but it's only just been recently that I've started to apply cognitive therapy because I think I still need to understand um, some of the, the, the theory behind why we think this way, attachment theories and all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you intuitively just knew that you needed to go to that next level was also super amazing. So when was it that you decided, all right, I feel ready enough to share it with the world and to start this coaching business of somatic. And I have gone to one of your workshops before and it, it was amazing. So um, yeah. When did you decide, you know what, I think I need to share this with the world. You talked earlier about this being something that's super passionate for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's a passion project that you've birthed into, into life. And what, when, when was, when was that aha moment that you were going to share it with the world? I think once my grant, my feet felt a little more stable and steady on the ground, I knew 
that this was my passion. And I had already known, I had already had seeds planted years prior. Um, I had had, you know, gosh, even a decade prior to that, I had this deep desire to like write a book, a deep desire to, um, to speak, to, to share, to help other women grow, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know the fullness of it. So I actually years prior, um, to this collapse, um, had hosted a workshop and I had started going down this path of like thinking this is the way I'm supposed to go. And then when things hit again and I just, my nervous system collapsed, I was like, I can't do this. This is too much. I don't have anything to give anybody. Like, what am I thinking? And the thing that happened for me, Lynette, that was like the linchpin is this recognition that I was turning against myself, that I hated myself for being where I was at. And I was so disgusted with myself for feeling stuck in that space that it was my propelling force to be like, I have to get out of this. I have to find a way. There's a way. There's got to be a way. Once I found a little taste of that way, I was like, this is it. This is the piece that was missing for me all along. Like, this is what's going to help me to expand what I feel called to do. I always felt this deeper calling and I, to like a calling, if you want to call it that, you know, just this, I felt compelled. Like I was supposed to do something bigger. Like I still, and I'm not quite fully there yet. I still feel it in me that I'm supposed to speak on stages. I am supposed to write a book. I have lots of books inside of me actually spinning, but I had to get out of my own damn way because Mm -hmm. honestly, it's scary. It's caused me to have to face every insecurity within me to be seen and to be heard because that's what I was taught not to be. I was taught to not be seen and heard as a kid. I didn't feel seen and heard. So the very thing that I'm being, you know, uh, called up to do, like I have to rise into is this space of wrestling with like, oh, that feels uncomfortable doing that. Okay. Let's take a step back. Cause that's excellent stuff. There was two things I want to kind of hone in on what you yeah. talked about. One was you knew you were going to start something. You had it in you a couple of years ago, you knew there was this something. Mm-hmm. So did you know it was going to be this, or did you just know that, like you said, you had a book in you, you knew that you were called to do on stage, but you just didn't know what the topic was yet. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was about empowering women. Um, okay. I just knew that I didn't have all the tools yet. So really what happened with my nervous system collapse, if you talked to me in 2020, I couldn't see it then. And I knew at the time surface level that, oh, this is going to be something that helps me like to expand, to grow. Like I knew it, every difficult thing is, has the potential for that. But I had no clue that this is really what the calling was inside of me. And I needed that nervous system collapse. I'm not begrudging of that experience. I'm not mad about that experience. Maybe like I was in it. I was, I was really not happy. I was a very, 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 very angry deep down inside when it was all happening. Very mm-hmm. bitter 
that it was happening. And now I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that just reminds me of, and, and I don't know if I'm going to paraphrase this correctly, but in my mind, when I hear you and I think about other women who have, and including myself, who have had that feeling they were going to do something, they just didn't know what mm -hmm. or even how it was going to happen, um, that it's just, it's, it's like you, you started down a path and you just got going on the path. And what they say is that, you know, the gurus say is that as you go down the path, things start to show up mm -hmm. and the universe just starts to deliver what, what you need. And, you know, you, you talked about, you felt stuck. So this is the second part was you felt stuck and compelled to keep going forward. But where was that? Where do you think that stuckness was coming from? Because you, this was about, you felt stuckness about like your business because you didn't know what you were quite still going to do or was it just that you had your own sort of healing still to go through? Probably both. First, I mean, the stuckness that I felt was like, okay, I did my first live workshop in person, this pre-COVID. And I was like, and that was awesome. And it felt good and it felt right. But there was something missing. Like, I just felt like I didn't have enough tools and resources at that point. I knew that there was just something missing. But I was still determined that if I was going to do this, I had to do take messy action. I had to just mm -hmm. keep moving forward. And then when my mm -hmm. nervous system collapsed and everything fell apart, I felt shame for even starting to do that, to go down that path of coaching and go down the path of like speaking into other people's lives. Because I was like, is I, that imposter syndrome, do you think? Um, shame. It was a shame gremlin. It was the shame of, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes and I can't even barely function right now. So who the hell am I to do anything? Right. And so that's where the imposter syndrome, yeah, you know, it's a piece of it too, but it was a very real, like, I don't have capacity right now to give anything to anybody because I'm barely mm -hmm. living inside. Right. Right. And, and all I had was enough to give my family the core resources mm -hmm. that needed to be met during that time. But I was dying inside. So it was like, it was, a, I had to reframe it because I used to think at first I was like, I'm a failure. Like I started and now I gave up on myself and that made it more mm -hmm. shameful for me. But then I had to reframe it and see it as, no, this was a pause. Mm -hmm. This was a pause to heal. And to learn new skills and and what is birthed from me not just closing the door on it altogether and just being like, forget it, I'm never doing that again. Um, mm -hmm. allowing myself to recognize like I'm learning and I'm growing, and maybe there's something here. And my husband kept telling me that book that you started writing is going to be 10 times better now. Yeah, no, this that's journey. Right. And so he gave me the hope rope. He was like, mm -hmm. no, like God is using this. Like this is going to be used in such a way that you will like be even better. You're going to be a better mm -hmm. coach because of it. Yeah, no, that's great. 
Okay, so you've you've been on your journey, you're you're healing, you're working through things, you're kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit. I'm ready, no, I'm not, I'm ready, no, I'm not. But now you feel okay, like I'm still on the journey. That's you know, you are. I, I do know that. I know mm-hmm. I see it, I watch it on your Instagram. You're still having you have days. I mean, we're all human, we're gonna have days just because I'm a coach. Uh, or strategist or whatever yeah. doesn't mean that I'm not going to have bad days. And so I see that on your Instagram and it's great. But when you're leading a workshop, which I can attest to, you are in full control and in full power and no one would ever know that, you know, you even had gone through a terrible journey uh, yourself, let alone that you might still have days. Um, so tell me, let's, let's move into the business side of it. Cause this podcast is meant to like, create that inspiration for the listeners to go out and finally do it on your own Mm -hmm. not trying to paint a rose colored glasses here Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is difficult but you know so we talked a little bit earlier about how entrepreneurship gives you the freedom to do what you want when you need it and how you want to do it Mm -hmm. uh, to be part of your family's life and then still be able to go back to your desk and do your work but what have the what have the what have been some ups and then what have been some downs uh, in your journey. Um, and I know a few of them, but I'm going to let you share them because, uh, we've shared them in the group in our, in our mastermind group. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of the, I feel like I'm climbing a mountain and I've hit the peak and I'm just not quite going to make it to the top. I need to hook my wagon or hook my line to somebody for some help. So, yeah, you know, the things that have, um, have been ups for me. Uh, the ups would be, you know, I've learned to celebrate every little win along the way. And this is something I empower my clients to do too, but it's like, I, you know, my, you know, this, my very first, um, class that I tried to launch live, people couldn't even get on the zoom. (laughs) (laughs) And I was frustrated but I went into it because of having a group of other women around me who are entrepreneurs, which I think is very important. Like this accountability pod that we've been a part of this group is like helped me to not just give up on myself in those moments because like we need each other to be reminded of like, yeah, the first time I tried this, this is what happened. Oh, the first time I did this. And you realize, Oh, this is a human part of the learning process. This is just what it takes to be an entrepreneur is this grit to say, I messed up. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try again. And the first three times I did it, first three months in a row that I tried hosting this live class, I had tech issues. Every single month. And I still remember it. And you, and now you're laughing about it. But in the moment you were like, I don't know what's happening. I can't get on. (laughs) I mean, and, and you're, but it's natural yeah but but then and then you came to our accountability pod our mastermind group and you shared it and we're all like oh yeah a hundred times yeah (laughs) I I think Denise one of our other members of the the mastermind I think she did a whole session and she was on mute the whole time so (laughs) it was just like I don't know something like that but but you know you said something really interesting because I think entrepreneurship is a very lonely road. You can feel very lonely. And I'm sure, you know, whoever's listening has heard that saying at some point along the way, but it is lonely because you're sitting here 
Uh, we don't always have the resources to hire people. We don't have big teams. We don't have staff. I have a couple of girls that that help me, but they're they're part time. Um, I'm still doing my full time gig. You're doing your photography gig, and we're still we're trying to really move uh, into this this part of our world, our online offers uh, more permanently. But it's that accountability group that I think finding other like-minded women that can be in a community with you, that you share those moments. Um, and we have a, a, a Slack channel, a Telegram channel that we also communicate in. So even though we meet weekly, uh, we communicate in Telegram. And so we've, 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 we've problem solved on the fly for each other. And I think that's also part of where, you know, you, you talk about having that that emotional support of other people who are going through, through the exact same thing as you. And what that means is, ah, okay, it's happening to her. It's happened to her. It's do, and she's about to do what I just finished doing. So I'm sure something techie is going to go wrong for her or something. You know, like it, nothing is perfect. And so yeah. um, I, I love what you're saying there. So those have been the, the ups. Have, what, what's, on the well, and I should where say, like, yeah, I should yeah. say, here I am six months later after I started doing that and I'm hosting it smoothly now, right? I know. And you joined and you were able to see that part too. And like, it's, you know, and I'm still learning. It's still, you know, I'm still in process of refining and growing each time I do something, but I didn't give up on myself. And that mm -hmm. is the greatest thing that could come from anything that I do is just recognizing, okay, I, there's an, something new to learn here. Oh, this isn't working. Okay. We curve, like we turn, we go this direction and we try a different way. It's, you know, an ebb and flow. Absolutely. I think for me, when I attended your workshop, I, even though you are in the mastermind, my mastermind group, like we're in a mastermind group together, and I'm hearing about your business. I didn't really like understand it. And so I needed to get in it to, to see it. And I think for me, it's like, wow, this is amazing because first of all, the traumas that everybody carries, as you said, they're all different, um, do hold you back from advancing often in your life and in your business as well. And so you gave me like it, your workshop was a bit of a, a teaser or a taster of what you do in your larger program. Um, and you gave me some really interesting, just little things like even just like finding something to just like do like when you're feeling like, okay, oh, I just can't keep doing this today. I'm so burnt out. And then I just kind of, you know, shake my body a little bit and I'm like, okay, this is all good. This is going to be okay. And you know, you can do this. And, and then I'm just kind of shaking my body. And the next thing I know, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm feeling kind of <laughs> rejuvenated. And it's just that small, simple thing. Like, sometimes I think we think, sometimes I think anyway, I won't, I won't say everybody does. But you have to have like all these things before you can do something, right. And so, but even just something small, like just the shaking of the arms uh, was mm -hmm. one thing I took away from your workshop has helped and it gives me energy and it's like, oh, and I think it then connects the mind and the body knowing that I'm doing this because up here in my brain, I'm also starting to play mind games with myself and that gremlin starts talking to me and that's a way for me to stop the gremlin, if you will. 
It so is. I, I well, love that. Emotion is energy in motion. Mm-hmm. And so when we connect to the body and we allow the body to move and, and freely allow expression of the body, it calms the mind and the body. Yeah. It's so amazing. Jill, question for you on your, you know, you're starting your entrepreneurial venture. What, what made you think you were going to get a client that you were going to get clients? Cause I think, I, I think for a lot of women uh, who are starting businesses, the biggest fear is selling and where am I going to get the people to join my program or be part of my program? And so how did you overcome that sort of getting your first client syndrome? Yeah. I'm going to call it a syndrome. Yeah, it is. It is a syndrome. I mean, and I'm not going to say that I've, that I'm fully beyond it. Like there's still moments where it's like, how do I, you know, how do you move forward? How do you expand this fuller? And there is that it's a push pull tension, you know? Um, I discovered first early on, like I actually didn't wait very long to feel like I had it all together or that I knew everything before I started coaching. I had somehow learned um, through some of the workshops and the trainings that I had gone through just for my own trauma healing that um, you have to be doing some of these things that you feel passionate about, even though you'd feel you're not ready. Like you have to step into the passion of it and allow it to just bloom and become whatever it's meant to be, but that you don't really even know it and you can't even see it clearly until you just start. Mm-hmm. And so the coaching that I started with is very different than the coaching that I do today, even um, because I've just continued to learn and grow and refine and, and really narrow in um, as to like, oh, what am I, what, what do I see working even more now? And as I learn new things. Um, so mm-hmm. actually kind of ironically, not really ironically, but interestingly, my coaching business with my first clients started by me sharing like I did on Facebook for my photography business. Yeah. I just put it out. To the I world. started just, I didn't start selling the coaching necessarily. I started sharing my experiences and sharing that this is what I wanted to help other women to do. Yeah. And I had a few people that knew me from the past, like maybe from high school that had um, reached out, somebody reached out to me and she was just like, okay, cognitive therapy hasn't really worked for me either. And I feel stuck. Like, what is it? And like, just started the conversations and Mm -hmm. learning that that's like, we, you know, I overcomplicate it still today. I overcomplicate the marketing process of a business, the selling. Um, How do I go from here to here? And trying to strategically find it, and I overcomplicate how to get there. And what I keep coming back to is conversation in making it all more just conversations, conversations on mm-hmm. social media, conversations, you know, um, in email form, that it's all about uh, positioning myself in a way of sharing my own experiences. And that is authentic and attracted some people to me to start. Exactly. And and it's not a build it and they will come thing, I don't think. Yeah. But it is 
I think the biggest step in anybody's success is taking the leap and putting yourself out there and telling people what you're doing because people will find you that way. If they, you know, like you said, that lady, you know, she knew that cognitive therapy wasn't helping her anymore. She heard you, she listened to you and she's like, Hey, maybe this is something I can learn from Jill. And one other thing, you know, just to sort of wrap up our podcast is that we don't have to be a hundred percent better than everybody else to be able to start sharing. It's kind of what you're saying about, you know, you know, your, your message is in your mess. I think there's that one little saying out there, your message is your yeah. mess or your, or your mess is your message. Mess. And, you know, you're, you're saying take imperfect action, make it messy because if, how do you know, unless you get going and try. So, but that's the biggest leap. The biggest hurdle is there's going to be a whole bunch of hurdles, but the, the tallest hurdle I think is that one where it just, you have to just start putting yourself out there and telling people what you do. And then all the other hurdles just get, I think, shorter, <laughs> you know, because you're learning along the way. You're getting energy from people who are starting to accept you as who you are and to notice you and to hear you and see you and to say, you know what, I'd love to learn from Jill um, this a little bit more about somatic therapy. What is she doing? How has it helped her? And how can I apply it to myself? I, I think it's that that saying is you just have to have the 10% edge. Um, teach as if you were just beginning, but keep down your path of, of growing, you know? Yeah, we're always just a few steps in front of somebody. Mm -hmm. And I so I took that approach. I really did. I took that approach and I was like, I know that just I have this many tools that I've learned for myself. Right. And I know that I'm going to continue expanding that resource, you know, that toolbox yeah. of what I have and to offer and share. But what helped me even to that point was enough for me to move forward and it's enough for somebody else. Awesome. And and just staying laser focused on I'm not going to ever probably in my life feel like I have it all together or that I have all the knowledge and information that I need to actually do or be whatever it is that I, you know, good enough. Um, it's, it's allowing myself to, to kind of let that idea go mm -hmm. of, um, of really being like, this is good enough. What is just a couple steps ahead of where somebody else is, is good enough. Like I doesn't, my good enough doesn't mean that I have everything figured out and I have this program already created before I start actually doing the work. Exactly. Jill, where can people find you? So I'm on Instagram and my handle is dancing in the mess. Okay. And you know, you can find me online on, um, just on my website too. It's jillmariehowell.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Dancing in the mess is the URL okay. there as well. All right. So dancing in the mess. I love it. Um, yeah. listen, Jill, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I guess I'll see you tomorrow morning, Tuesday <laughs> at our mastermind yeah. group. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I love watching your journey. I've just, even in the short period of time that you have been in the group, 
Um, you've definitely grown. And as I get to know more of your offer and as you as a person, I think you're wonderful. So thank you for joining and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.